the Clixie podcast with Tim Flagg. Insight, opinion and advice from the leading practitioners in digital marketing and e-commerce. And I truly believe successful programs are better at telling the story of the change they're trying to deliver. This is the Click Z Digital Marketing Podcast, and I'm going to be joined today by Rebecca Galambos from the Prince's Trust. We're going to be hearing about how effective digital transformation starts with stories and leadership. And Rebecca will also be sharing insights into how brands can connect with young people. Where can you come together with leaders from the biggest brands and hear how they are using digital technology to transform their businesses? Join Click Z and Search Engine Watch at Shift London from the 24th to 25th of May. In this two-day event for digital leaders, you'll get insights and inspiration from successful C-suite leaders on how to adapt and thrive in the digital economy. You will hear about digital leadership, customer acquisition, customer experience and retention, and growth drivers from brands such as Airbnb, Grays.com, Vodafone, John Lewis, and the BBC, to name but a few. So get inspired and illuminated at Shift London. Visit digitalshiftevents.com and quote promo code POD20 for an exclusive 20% discount. That's digitalshiftevents.com. Meet the drivers of digital change. This is the Click Z podcast, and I'm delighted to be joined by Rebecca Galambos, the Senior Digital Transformation Director at the Prince's Trust. Rebecca is a leading business transformation director who delivers large, complex programs using a unique blend of lean, cross-functional teams, frugal innovation techniques, and broad stakeholder engagement. Over 20 years' experience, both in line management and interim roles across blue chips in the digital payments, retail, insurance, telecoms, and charity sectors, Rebecca is currently leading a digital transformation program at the Prince's Trust. So welcome to you, Rebecca. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. And I'm really looking forward to finding out more about the great work which the Prince's Trust is doing. Um, But I thought maybe we could start off by finding a little bit bit more about you. Um, So could you just tell us about uh, your career, how you got started and what your story is? Sure. Uh, I'm born in Sweden and uh, came to the UK in the early 90s. And really, uh, ever since then, have been, I guess, what is a serial change delivery junkie uh, in delivering complex change in a series of different industries, uh, but all of them really tying together with a red thread uh, of delivering value for customers. And you mentioned change. You, you mentioned being a bit of a sort of junkie for for change and transformation. What was it specifically that attracted you to that? I think it's very much of uh, understanding uh, a customer journey and being able to deliver value for that customer. In our case, uh, on my current program, that's the young person. Uh, but irrespective of who it is, it's about delivering the best experience for that customer. And I think uh, as part of that, looking at simplicity uh, and speed uh, and making it really uh, as friction free for that customer 
uh, was really what drove me to look at transformation and in particular digital change. Now the word transformation is quite um, vague and it's often used to mean lots of different things but within the, the consultancy words change management always used to be a very specific um, process. Is that where you spent most of your time sort of um, working um, and getting grounded in change management? Yeah I, I mean I guess I'm, I'm not much for consultant speak uh, because it often becomes very and unspecific. Um, to me, transformation is, is a combination of the business process change, the technology change, and the change in ways of working. In the olden days, we called it change management. Uh, today, we tend to talk about transformation. And maybe one of the reasons for that is that you can deliver a great piece of technology change. You can deliver a fantastic uh, restructure of a team or of an organization, but it's only when you put it all together uh, and wrap around it with proper um, culture change, change of ways of working, uh, that it really becomes effective. And there's been a lot of books written about transformation. There's, there's a lot of places where you can go and read about transformation, study transformation. But what is the best way that you found about learning how to lead transformation? I think you have to talk to people. Uh, I think no matter how good a process uh, you bring with you, uh, no matter how good uh, a a sort of uh, methodology uh, you bring along, uh, those are only your pots and pans. It's it's the ingredients that you put into your pots and pans that matter. And that's all about people and understanding what's important to them uh, and how you can help uh, achieve what is important to them. So to me, uh, that ingredient uh, of learning on the job, if you will, uh, yes, having a very robust methodology, but really about engaging with the people that are helping you deliver and that are receiving the change. So digital transformation starts with people, you'd say? Definitely. Digital transformation used to be seen as being very much about the technology. And and as you say, now it's much more seen about being the leadership and the people and the softer skills. But what other changes have you seen over the last few years within this area of transformation? Yeah, I mean, just going back to what you said a moment ago, Harvard Business uh, Review did a very unhelpful uh, review uh, for us consultants some time ago, where they said that over 50% of all technology programs fail. And uh, they then went on to say that they fail because of the lack of understanding of the customer journey, stakeholder management and the culture change and training piece. So I think, again, uh, you know, that is where where it all is moving. The biggest changes that I've witnessed in in, uh, this area, I would say, is the speed. Um, I think with cloud uh, coming along, with the impatience of the millennials, uh, we find that speed and ability to have speed uh, is is incredibly important. Um, and the expectation of high quality uh, customer experience. Uh, I think about 10 years ago, if you applied for a credit card, uh, you'd be quite okay for that process to take two, three weeks. Uh, today, most of the retail banks can offer that in five days. 
Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. The The pace of change of technology now has raised the expectations of the consumers and they see um, uh, so many disruptive technologies in other fields that when it comes to those more traditional sectors like banking, um, they can't understand why it's taking the, those sectors so long to, to catch up and deliver the same level of experience. So maybe we could come a little bit more up to date with what you're doing now. Could you tell us about how you got involved with the Prince's Trust and what you're doing there? So the Prince's Trust helps young people that are are uh, disadvantaged uh, and people between the ages of 13 and 30 to get into jobs, education and training. And I got involved when I was asked to come in and have a look at a number of uh, fragmented uh, IT related projects that were going on within the trust. We had a look and uh, we stepped back from those four or five ongoing projects and asked ourselves, what were we actually trying to achieve? And what we were really trying to achieve was to reach more. And what was stopping us was, I suppose, an operational stealing, if you will, in that uh, if we wanted to reach more young people and help them into jobs, education, work or training, then we really had to raise more funding uh, and hire more people. So it was very much an operational limitation, but it was also uh, antiquated IT systems, as well as uh, slow processes uh, and inconsistent processes, and not an entirely great journey for the young person. Saying that, we reach 58,000 young people every year, and three out of the four young people that we help go on to a positive outcome. So they go on to volunteering, education, training, or back into work. So that's how I got involved with the Princess Trust. And that then led to us looking at an overall digital business transformation program, which was looking at our internal business processes, improving them, making them more consistent, but also putting in place technology, both to be able to reach our young people uh, digitally in a better way, Uh, but also for our staff to have a much smoother way of tracking that young person's journey and being able to report on it. Really interesting to hear you talk about the challenges that you faced within the Princess Trust. What particular challenges do you think are specific to a not-for-profit or a charity organisation? I know a number of our listeners come from that sector um, and they'll be, um, I think, sympathising with the, um, what you mentioned, the IT challenges. But what other challenges have you faced there? I think there's a number of challenges. And the first one that any of my colleagues out in the third sector will recognise is budget resourcing. But I feel that we have come uh, uh, through that very well. We talk a lot about frugal innovation, so ways of delivering more for less. Uh, Sometimes when you take away the obvious resources, people innovate and come up with creative solutions how to deliver. So that was one of the challenges. The other challenges, I think, are probably less specific to the third sector and true for most programmes. Uh, changing the ways of working. So adoption of the new ways of working and the technology is definitely um, a challenge and it's only uh, successfully overcome by good communication and excellent training. And then I think finally um, really is about the young person. Uh, The young person lives that is disadvantaged and, and comes across our 
through our door on a regular basis lives a chaotic life uh, often and being able to give them a smooth journey quickly uh, has been a challenge. I, I, I think we'll come on to this a little bit later as well but um, clearly young people having grown up with technology existing all around them are probably mm-hmm. the harshest critics you're going to have if you get technology wrong so um, I, I suppose that's has that been one of the challenges you, you've, you've faced as well is being able to serve that audience with, with technology which is a little bit out of date. Definitely and I mean if we looked at uh, the website we had previously it was not mobile enabled it was difficult to navigate um, and I think with, with a mantra of simplicity, you, you can reach the young person. Uh, I know we talk a lot about these millennials um, and that's, us baby boomers are moving uh, over and these millennials are taking over. And the reality is they grow up with technology in a different way to, to the way we grew up. So could I just ask you now a little bit more about um, the, the way in which you were leading the transformation at the Princess Trust because um, we talked before about um, one of the key areas now is being able to drive that transformation forward but um, how how what are the some practical tips and, and advice that you can give to people listening here who might be trying to drive their own transformation? I think mapping the customer journey early on in the project and identifying where there is room for improvement and then basing Uh, your roadmap on those improvements helps people understand uh, what the change is about. Uh, I read a really good quote the other day. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, And it says, the best way to build momentum and create a movement is to tell a good story. And I truly believe successful programs are better at telling the story of the change they're trying to deliver uh, than programs that fail. So, Mapping that young person's journey and communicating that um, is is the number one step. Then creating a solid plan, milestones and inter- interdependencies that people truly understand, uh, communicating clearly um, what is expected from the rest of the organization and what they can expect uh, from us as a program. So um, I think today, We probably think of some of the mechanics of delivering change as hygiene factors. Uh, You need a robust plan, you need risk uh, and issues, logs, you need good governance. Um, But I think what is transpiring more and more is that to build that momentum and create that movement is that you need to tell a good story and you need to deliver against that good story. Fascinating to hear that. I'm really um, excited to hear the role which a story has been able to play in the, in the transformation. And it really, I think, underlines the point you were making earlier on about digital transformation really relying upon people. And, of course, people react a lot better to stories than they do to technology or the, or anything else. So I think that, that sort of really ties in with what you were saying before. When we talk about adversity, and so as a third third sector organization having a limited budget you can either spend all of your time saying well we don't have very many resources for this or our budget has been cut again or you can really take pride in and feel incredibly um, passionate about frugal innovation and proud that we can do more with less so it's again a story we're going to take just a short break now and hear a little bit more about the event and then we'll be back to really find out more about your work at the princess trust 
Do you want to hear more from our digital leaders and learn how they have successfully transformed their businesses? Then come along to Shift London on the 24th and 25th of May and join ClickZ and Search Engine Watch in a two-day event focused around digital transformation with speakers from a range of brands such as the BBC, John Lewis, Nissan, BT, Airbnb, M&S and Unilever. You'll hear firsthand how these brands have implemented change in their organisation and get useful insights and practical advice for your own projects. Visit digitalshiftevents.com and quote promo code POD20 for an exclusive 20% discount. So now I'd like to find out more about, Rebecca, your work at the Prince's Trust. And first of all, I'd like to say, what are the trends that you think are going to change how young people are interacting with brands in the next few years? I mean, we've seen a, a, a number of things throughout our project. Uh, so I can, I guess, mostly focus on, on those. I think the first one, at least for the young people we work with, is that you've got to be mobile enabled. Um, the young people that we work with, most of them do not have a laptop or a tablet, uh, but they do have a smart form, uh, smartphone. Um, poor design, poor design is a deal breaker. Simplicity, uh, clean design, I think is, is really important. Um, that you have mobile apps that are tailored to your audience. Um, I think there is this piece around keeping it short, bite-sized communication. I think also the young people we work with are obsessed with social. Uh, so being able to link what you're trying to communicate with the social side. And I think finally, a lot of the young people out there are motivated by meaning that whatever it is you're communicating, selling, uh, or trying to get them to do has some sort of meaning. That's an interesting word you use to describe that. Um, could you expand a little bit on maybe some examples of what you mean by meaning? I think po people are much more socially uh, and economically aware today. And particularly if we think about some of the young disadvantaged we people we deal with, the difference between the rich and the poor and the people that have and have not in our society is clearly growing. We estimate that uh, roughly over 800,000 uh, young people in the UK are not in education, employment or training. Uh, and there's clearly something not quite right in that picture. Uh, Maguire do a uh, piece of research with us uh, and 46% of young people are scared to make eye contact. So we've clearly got a bit of an issue uh, in society and I think a lot of young people overall, disadvantaged or not, are very aware of socio-economic uh, issues and are interested in products and services that have some sort of meaning. Giving back is something a lot of our young people talk about. Really interesting to hear the stats you mentioned from the, the research you've done there. Um, one of the challenges which a lot of businesses face when they're trying to engage with millennials or young people in general is being able to get those insights, really bringing alive those stats. What are some ways that you found um, as effective ways of understanding what's really going on in, the, in the, the minds and hearts of young people? We talk a lot to our young people. I know it sounds really uh, simple, uh, but, but we, we sit them down in groups and we ask them, 
We uh, have UX, so user experience groups uh, that prototype and and um, try out different technologies, different ways of engaging with us. Uh, and then they tell us how they feel. We have, of course, much deeper type of research where, where we talk about their mental health and how they're feeling. Uh, but I think as an organization, um, whether you're trying to sell something or whether you're trying to support these young people through education or training, you have to talk to them. You have to keep the dialogue uh, going. And these people are used to snappy dialogue. They are used to WhatsApp, Snapchat and very much bite-sized communication and that goes for when you ask them questions too. And what can brands and companies do which are led by people like you and I who are sort of baby boomer generation um, when we're trying to connect with the millennials who are coming from such a, a younger generation with totally different expectations and ways of communicating uh, as you've outlined how can we um, ensure that we're connecting and communicating in the right way? I think by incorporating uh, some of the things I mentioned earlier. So poor design is a complete deal breaker for young people. It's got to be simple. It's got to be mobile enabled. Um, you've got to keep it short, bite-sized. You've got to respond to their desire to be able to share everything socially, um, whether that's social media or beyond. And I think that deep understanding and acceptance that they do things slightly differently, uh, as I'm sure their children will do things differently. So I think really taking on board those differences and responding to that, both in terms of how we then communicate back with them, but also how we listen to them. Presumably you have quite a few people in your organisation who are actually the young people themselves. Maybe do you bring them on through your programmes? Do you have apprentices, that sort of thing? Yes, we do. Uh, we have young ambassadors who've gone through some of our programmes uh, and then help us reach out to and take care of the young people. So we, we, we are surrounded by our customer, if you will. Because I know... I've worked with a lot of companies who found it very effective to bring on those apprentices. And obviously the government is now bringing the apprentice levy in next year as well. So I think it's, you know, a, a really big issue for, or a really big opportunity for a lot of companies to really bring in those apprentices and um, have that as a, a channel to engage with young people. Could you now maybe tell us uh, about some of the projects that you're currently working on at the Princess Trust and how they've been affected or how they're being driven by digital technology? Sure, we're uh, currently, uh, we have launched a new website, uh, a new business intelligence system and a, and a new CRM system. And that is allowing us to reach our young people in a completely different way. Uh, we are currently taking the seven key programs uh, that we offer to young people and automating and streamlining a, a lot of how we deliver those programs, which means that some of our operational staff, uh, their time is really freed up to spend more time one-on-one -on -one with young people. Uh, so that's one aspect of what we are working on for the moment. The other piece we're working on is that we're looking at different digital solutions for how we can offer uh, skills, tools and confidence uh, building mechanisms to a broader 
audience of young people. So how could we reach one million young people in the next 10 years? And the only way we're going to do that is by digital engagement. So offering e-mentoring, offering virtual learning um, and such. So what we are doing currently is that we've taken a number of those digital technologies uh, that are up and running already, and we're testing them out in our regions with our young people to see which of those different digital engagement tools, if you will, would we be using in the future. And so we're hoping uh, that over the next few months, we start expanding that onto our existing program. And, and clearly the Princess Trust has got a very unique perspective that we've been finding out more about on these young people in the UK. Um, has that then allowed you to um, more effectively prioritise which of those digital projects you work on first and, and how much resources you put into them? Definitely. I mean, we look at our young people and, and they have different disadvantages, different presenting needs, if you will. Um, some of them are ready to start their own business and just need some help from a mentor, for example, to help them build a business plan and to work through those everyday challenges when you start your own business. A lot of that uh, could actually be done through Skype uh, or similar technology where there is an existing uh, mentor who connects with uh, their mentee, but where there is also tools uh, and resources that can be accessed by the young person. That's one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, we have the hardest to reach who are struggling with, for example, pure digital skills. They might know how to look at Facebook or use Snapchat, but they wouldn't know how to apply for a job online. And so really helping them with some digital skills through gamification, we're looking at helping them with some early intervention and building confidence and really basic skills. Thanks. And you were talking there quite a bit about the sort of e-mentoring. And that sounds like a, a, a quite a interesting concept in its own right, because normally when you think about mentoring, you're thinking about one, uh, well, two people in a room, you know, sort of one-to-one -one interaction. It's very much about the, the non-verbal communication as well as, you know, what's being said. How does that work when you're trying to do mentoring via online? Is it is using Skype, like you mentioned, or is it is it, are there other ways that the mentor can monitor how the mentee is developing? So there's a number of ways, obviously, how that can be done and a number of tools that could be used in that mentoring relationships. And that's what we are trialing now for the moment. And, and trying out what the different uh, solutions mean for our young people. Because having a, a, a change in technology background, I can get super excited about some of these things. But that's fairly irrelevant, actually, unless the young person actually feels comfortable using it. And it's interesting, some of the underprivileged schools in the US uh, and some of the not Ivy League universities in the US uh, are now giving lectures um, uh, online. And they have found that if you put a lecturer from either school or university in front of a whiteboard and they're talking very much like you would in a classroom, the young people completely switch off. However, if you give a seven to 12 minute little podcast or a little video tutorial 
and you're sitting in a beanbag and you're filming yourself with your iPhone and you then post it as a teacher, that goes down far better than the more formal route. Quickly wondering how we can reduce this to seven minutes. Correct. <laughs> it's it's a tricky one. It's a skill and it's it's definitely something a lot of organizations are working hard on out there. You asked me earlier, how can we baby boomers connect with the millennials? Uh, and the reality is that most of these millennials will have switched off this podcast pretty much 12 minutes ago. So we need to make sure that we put all the exciting bits right up front. It's interesting, though, because you hear quite a bit about this short attention span. And it's all, sometimes it's said in a little bit of a pejorative way, you know, you know kids today, short ten- attention span, etc. But actually, it seems to be what you're saying is that they're, they're able to process more information, but just in shorter bites. Um, is that something that, that brands and companies should be more aware of when they're designing their, their content and their marketing? A hundred percent, because not only can they um, digest short amounts of information, they can flit between different technology. So you might listen to a podcast for seven minutes And then you might quickly send a message to your e-mentor via WhatsApp and say, just listen to podcasts, really interesting, here's the link. And so they flit between the technologies. But just because they have short attention span uh, doesn't mean that they are short on ambition. Do you think that's just a a trend, a a fad, which will eventually work its way out? No. Or do you think that that is something which isn't more ingrained into the the way that young people's brains are developing? That's just how they work. They they have continuous learning is is natural to them. Uh, The rest of us went to college or university and then that was that, you know, we got a certification of some kind and sure, we might have done odd sort of piece of learning but if you go to meetup that the app that shows you what's going on in your uh, area uh, and if you go to one of those events it's full with young people they're doing continuous learning and they're happy to go to youtube for a how to whatever video Uh, whilst you and I tend to sort of read an article. There's been a lot of talk of a digital skills gap. Do you think this is something that that you've seen through the research and interacting with young people? And and what do you think we should do about it if there is a gap? Well, there's definitely a a level of the haves and the have-nots. And I think digital skills needs to be embedded in schools very early on, all schools. Uh, I think it needs to be embedded in training uh, because the reality is, as you move into an organization, uh, you have to be fluent in leveraging technology. And the have nots definitely have that skills gap. And it's on us to really ensure that that skills gap is closed and that that training is embedded, whether it's through gamification Uh, or through traditional learning in schools. Uh, But those digital skills, that gap needs to be closed for that generation to be able uh, to take part in employment. Could you give us an example, one or two examples of of what those skills are, which uh, you think are lacking in young people? I mean, one that is is a really uh, simple one is um, how, for example, to put together a CV. So you might be able to check your Facebook or to do a little Snapchat video, but for a young person to be able to put together uh, a CV uh, is is definitely a challenge. 
And so early intervention on that, gamification is key. Another one is uh, how do you search to find out if there's a job in your area? Uh, you know, just simple, uh, how do you Google stuff? And how do you then go from Googling it to choosing what is the right opportunity for you and how do you then act on it? That's surprising in some ways, isn't it? Because you'd think that young people have grown up with Google and they'd understand how to, to use Google. But I suppose the challenge is asking the right questions and knowing the right thing to search for in the first place. And this is, I suppose, the, 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 the challenge for Google itself is that there's so much information out there, but how do you actually know what questions to ask to curate it and structure it and make sense of it? Definitely. So coming on to now the, the Prince's Trust, what programs do you have in place to support and encourage young people with some of these uh, challenges and skills gaps? So we, we have a number of programs across the board uh, from the kind of program that will help you start your own business, which is called the Explore Enterprise program, uh, through to the team program, which is much more about just building um, confidence and being aware of what your strengths and weaknesses are and starting to move from a place of feeling very hopeless uh, to a place where you're feeling hopeful and know what the route is uh, to go back into education, employment or training. Um, so we, we run a, a selection of seven programs uh, and I would certainly encourage anybody who's listening uh, to go in and look at the Princess Trust website where we talk a little bit more about some of those programs. And if somebody is listening to this and, and that's felt inspired by some of the programs you've been talking about and the work that the Princess Trust is doing, what's a way that people can get involved to help with the Princess Trust? Well, we have a volunteer network who helps with anything from an event uh, which is called um, Palace to Palace, where people go and bicycle between two palaces through to um, actually becoming a mentor for somebody wanting to start a business. So there's all kinds of ways uh, you can support us if you work for a big organization uh, and uh, want to volunteer as, as a corporate, uh, that's a, a way down that you could definitely look at. And again, if you go on to uh, our website uh, and click on support our work, you can see that there are a number of areas, volunteering, donations, uh, how your business or corporate can uh, help us and events. So could you now tell us a little bit more about how we can stay in touch with the Princess Trust, how we can follow you and find out more about your work? Definitely. I'd encourage everybody to go to uh, princesstrust.org.uk where there's a lot about uh, our actual programmes and how we help our young people, how you can support our work. Uh, and a little bit more about the young people we've helped in the past. There are some incredibly powerful short videos of the young people uh, that we have helped in the past uh, and most recently. So I would really encourage you to go online and have a look at our website. And presumably there's a newsletter and Twitter handle that we can follow as well. Certainly is. Rebecca, it's been amazing to hear so many of the stories about the great work which the Princess Trust is doing with young people, and also to get some great insights that I think a lot of our audience will be able to use to 
start to engage in a more effective way with young people and recognise the skills that young people have as well. So thank you so much for the time you spent with us this afternoon. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you at Shift. Thank you. Looking forward to sharing more of my stories at Shift London. hope you've enjoyed hearing from our speaker today and don't forget that you can hear them live at shift london on the 24th and 25th of may visit digitalshiftevents.com now and use promo code pod20 to claim 20 percent off the price exclusively for clickz podcast listeners the two-day event in central london is hosted by clickz and search engine watch and you'll hear c-suite leaders discuss digital leadership customer acquisition customer experience and retention and growth drivers with speakers from brands such as brompton bikes nutmeg paddy power and airbnb you'll learn firsthand how these brands have approached and successfully implemented digital change in their businesses. Join us and meet the drivers of digital change. Visit digitalshiftevents.com and quote promo code POD20 for an exclusive 20% discount. That's digitalshiftevents.com. I'll see you there. Clickzee, the original digital business intelligence company, founded in 1997, provides best practice advice, trends and insight from leading analysts and practitioners to a global community of more than 100,000 digital marketing and e-commerce professionals. We'll be talking to more of our experts over the next few weeks. Until then, keep up to date with ClickZ. Thank you for listening and bye for now.